Hello and welcome. You're listening to Midweek in the Word Sunday Recap. My name's Jennifer Huber, and I'm the Communications Director at Faith Bible. Each week, I'm going to sit down and speak with Pastor Brad about the message we heard on Sunday and a forward look to what we have coming up next week. Through casual conversation, we will explore additional thoughts to the text, additional ways to prep for the coming Sunday. And not only that, we're going to grow in our love and understanding and knowledge of God's Word. Now, let's jump to the conversation. How you doing? I'm doing well. How's everything going? How are school finals going? Uh, we'll find out in a few weeks. <laughs> like You never exactly know when you're doing it. I think it's all right. I'm yeah. taking a systematic theology class, which is good, but is challenging. Well, all that to say, I know you're very busy with all your classes, but yet you consistently week after week deliver us with these gut-punching... <laughs> sermons. Well, God's word is is good. You know, like uh, truth has a tendency to do that to all of us. Yeah. You know, so as long as we keep preaching the text, yeah. First Corinthians will uh, hold no punches. And it has not. So no. knowing that you're busy doing all of that in school, and we just appreciate the diligence that you bring to the sermon every Sunday. Um, this one, you talked about communion. And the first thing you said was, have you ever heard the phrase, there's no I in team? Yeah. <laughs> so right away, we're on the edge of our seat going, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't about me. Yeah. So yeah. talk to us about, if you can give us a couple minutes of what you spoke on on Sunday. Yeah, that's where it's both a joy and kind of a challenge with a text like this. On one hand, we're celebrating communion, you know, so it's like, oh, this is a fun week. We we get to come back to the gospel. We get to be yeah. focused on. Um, and yet, Paul's words were entirely critical mm-hmm. of them. So though we read these texts in light, uh, a lot of times when we're taking communion and things like that as a church, uh, there's there's some pretty severe criticism that Paul offers for this church. And and the first thing, uh, and, and my point first on Sunday was communion is about the church. You know, in a lot of ways, what Paul is saying is, what is the context in which you celebrate communion? Mm-hmm. It's not about you. It's about when the church gathers together. Uh, then he goes on and he really explains why is that so critical? Well, it's because communion is about the cross. Like, it's about Christ's mission to call a people, to call out a people to himself, to redeem a people back to himself. And so while our salvation is individual, we are saved into a corporate identity of the church manifested in a local gathering, a local congregation of the church. And so the content of communion is the cross. So therefore, the context becomes the church. You know, it makes perfect sense. And then in the end of the section, he talked about what that meant for this church and his specific recommendations, his specific critique of them, if I would say. And that's where we talked about communion. It's about the heart. It's about what you bring into it. Paul's concern was that they were engaging in something that's intrinsically Christ's love for us among the church, but they were doing it as if it was all about them. Hence the reason Sunday's message was communion isn't chiefly about me. Right, communion is about the cross. It's yep. about Christ. It's about the church. Yeah. It's about the others that are here. While it involves me, and I need to focus on the self-reflection of my heart, it's a it's about more than that. Yeah, and it, so often we can kind of get into a rut of well, we take communion, and that's what we do. And I just appreciated the coming back to the self-reflection and that focus on the cross. Yeah, that's and that's part of the reason I think that keeping the focus, the focus is so key. Because the reason it gets rote is because it becomes about us. Yeah. You know, it becomes about, well, I'm supposed to sit here and kind of navel gaze for an hour, you know, or whatever, you know, and that sort of an idea. And it's like when it's all about me and it's not about Christ's work for us and then Christ's work in the church, it's easy to kind of lose the uniqueness of what's going on. Yeah. It's It's easy to kind of lose the significance of it when we do it over and over and over and over and over again. 
But the fact that we do it over and over and over and over and over again is to remind us of the things we need to know yeah. and to take the focus off of ourselves and back and put it on Christ and the church. Yeah. So one of the things you always say is, you know, hours and hours go into sermons and we're only allotted so much time on Sunday. What what more would you have spoken to on the passage? What was an area that were maybe were in your notes or didn't make the notes? Um, the first first thing that we talked about, and we kind of just primed the whole discussion with talking about why is this communal nature of the church so critical? What is mm-hmm. this gathering that Paul is talking about? You know, he uses that phrase five times in this section. He'll use it again in First Corinthians fourteen, and in verse eleven or chapter eleven, verse eighteen, he says, right. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And it's just a really interesting construction. Um, I didn't get the chance to go into more detail, you know, obviously, as well. We don't know the author of the book of Hebrews, um, but there's a similarity with what we find in Hebrews as far as, you know, later in the book of Hebrews, his exhortation coming out of that is very, very similar to what Paul is saying here, right? Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Focus on God. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good words, not ne- not neglecting to meet together is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you saw that see the day drawing near. Right? So the author of Hebrews in that section talking about how do we maintain faith in amongst the challenges we're facing, he focuses on Christ mm-hmm. and he focuses on the church. Yeah. Right? And he says, don't let go of Christ and don't let go of each other. Keep the focus, the focus. Bingo. And yeah. so we talked about that sort of idea. I didn't get the chance to go to Hebrews 10, um, but this idea of the church being a local assembly of believers that gathers together is really, really critical for us to keep in mind. That's kind of the central hub from which all the other ministries of a church flow. It's not the extent of the ministry of the church, but it's the place where things start, if you will. And it's part of what constitutes a church. It's part of what makes a church a church. I like Matt Merker. Uh, his definition of a church is that it's a, a local church is an assembly of blood-bought, spirit-filled worshipers who build one another up by God's word and affirm one another as citizens of Christ's kingdom through the ordinances. Hmm. I think that's a helpful definition when it comes to be like, what is my local church about? Because a lot of times we have a good definition for what the universal church is, you know, all the believers through all time, that sort of an idea. But what is this local thing that I'm supposed to participate in? And I think that's so helpful. And it, it also explains why talking about communion is so central to this whole idea of what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 11 as well. The second thing I didn't get the chance to go into very much detail on on Sunday was that, was that idea of uh, the, the, the fact that they're celebrating communion, but Paul is saying your celebration of communion isn't actually even communion. Um, and I, I didn't have a whole time. It's kind of a passing combat. But in verse 20, he says, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. He's saying it is possible for your church to gather and for your church to eat a meal and to engage in, if you will, a religious rite, a religious ceremony. Traditions. But nothing has happened. Hmm. You know, and I mentioned on Sunday that that's, you know, the phrases like this are part of the reason that we would reject as Protestants the Roman Catholic teaching of ex opere operato, which literally means by the works worked. Okay, so the, the doctrine is such that it's like simply by engaging in the ritual— you know, I mean, the Catholic Church has seven sacraments. We would talk about two ordinances, different terminology, but without going into that, it's basically if I do this activity, I get the benefit regardless of where my heart is at. You know, so an infant can be baptized and receive grace apart from their sure. involvement. And you can celebrate the Eucharist, yeah. you know, without having any sort of heart or intention. Now, they would say it's better if you do, but it's not necessary. And I think Paul here contradicts that entirely. He says, look, if you don't have the right heart, you're missing the entire point. And what you're doing is of no value. And I think that's really critical for us to keep in mind that like, 
God, and we see this throughout the Old Testament too, God has commanded us to worship him on his terms, right? He said, this is how you worship me, and these are the things that you're supposed to engage in. And just some sort of human ritual does nothing if it's not by God's will, if it's yeah. not with the right heart uh, that we engage in. And so <clears throat> I thought that was, that was a point that I wanted to flesh out a little bit more, but I didn't have time on Sunday. So when I think of communion, it almost seems like the first 10 chapters of Corinthians has been leading, you know, how do you love your brother? How do you love them well? And love them as Christ has loved you, essentially. So when you think of communion, like you said, it's something that kind of struck me was communion is about the church and that Mm -hmm. it's a corporate celebration. But yet we always say reflect inwardly, but you kind of spoke to it's in that moment too, what what the ministering to the body of believers around you is as well. It's that we're proclaiming his death and we're proclaiming his return. And, and we spoke to that point briefly. You know, it's like you cannot claim what we celebrate in communion, that Christ loved us so much that he came to die for us while not loving your brothers and sisters While in yet refusing to extend that yeah. forgiveness or that love yeah. and understanding. And I think we intuitively understand there's something inherently hypocritical about that. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's something... I mean, First John would speak extensively to like, if, if you love Christ, that's great, but do you love your brothers? And that shows where your heart is at in relationship to Christ. And I think that's very similar to what we see here where Paul is like, look, you can't do that sort of thing. You can't adopt the culture's idea of hierarchy and you're better than the poor people while claiming that, that you love Christ. Yeah. That's, a, that's a hypocritical thing to say. So moving to application a little bit. How do we not be the people that Paul was saying, oh, by the way, you're not really taking communion? How do we not be those people? What are, yeah. some, what are some things we can do? A, a few things really, really practically. The first I would say is, and this kind of goes along with what we've been emphasizing as well, is celebrate communion corporately. Hmm. Like think about communion that way. I, you know, I, I would take exception to people you know, saying they're taking communion at home with just their family. It's not because that's, you know, like your family's not good or you shouldn't eat your, you know, meal together as a family, but it's it's a, something that the church does together. And so embracing that sort of a mindset and and more than just where we take it, how do we take it? Hmm. You know, it's it's very easy in the moment to to be holding the bread, to be holding the cup, to be examining ourselves, and I think we should take that text seriously and I spoke to that on Sunday, but to kind of lose sight of everyone else around you. In the same way that sometimes during worship, you know, it's like yeah. it's, it's, it's me and God, you know, and I'm just worshiping him and, and I'm losing sight of the people around me that are celebrating too. And it's like, it's not that it's bad to, to be focused on your relationship with God, but the corporate gathering of the church isn't just a supercharged quiet time. Yeah. You know, it's just not, it's not just me Bow and Jesus. Heads, it's not less than that, yep. but it's, it's us together worshiping Jesus. And the reason we do it is because Christ has called us together to worship him. What a beautiful picture. Yeah, as a unified body, as a joint group of people, as an assembly, as a gathering, as an ecclesia, we're called to join together. And that means we need to be cognizant both of our worship of God, but also of our edification and our encouragement of others. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things where sometimes I think during communion, we can feel like, is you know, when we've passed the plate, we can feel like we have to be like not saying anything and, you know, it's got to be somber. And we're going to speak to that sober idea here in a minute, but like, thank your brothers and sisters, acknowledge your brothers and sisters, like welcome them. You know, I love Romans 12, you know, and that, or I think it's Romans 13, excuse me, where it's like, welcome one another, right? You know what I mean? Like that sort of an environment should be something we foster. So think about the church when we engage in communion. 
Um, the second thing that I would say is, like, Paul's exhortation to the end was about examining himself is, mm-hmm. like, it's, te- it's a tendency to think that we, we are on two sides here. We tend to think that either I have to be good enough to engage in communion, as if I have to obtain some spiritual maturity before I can engage in communion. Well, that's not his point. On the other side, we kind of just go at it flippantly. I can do whatever, and it doesn't really matter. No, what he's saying is all of us have sinned, all of us need to repent, and all of us need to come to communion with that idea. You know, so it's like if you're guilty of unloving behavior toward your brothers and sisters, what he's not saying is, oh, you just can't take communion the rest of your life. Like, that's not, you know, so we shouldn't be like neurotic, always worried about that. The, the encouragement would be examine your heart. If there's something there, repent of it, and then participate freely because that's exactly what the cross of Christ is meant to do. That's exactly why we celebrate communion, to celebrate the right. gospel and to remember that we are a forgiven people. Um, so there's, there's those steps. And then lastly, I would just say that as we take communion, we, it feels like a contradiction to us, but we need to embrace both a sober and a joyful mindset, right? Like, because if it's just joy, if we're just celebrating kind of flippantly, we're missing just how serious it is what he says there about taking communion in an unworthy way, or if, are you considering the body and the blood of Christ? You know, so there should be a sober sort of a, this is a significant thing that Christ did for me. My sin is extremely depraved, and I desperately needed a Savior. But at the same time, when you recognize the depravity of your own heart and you see how big the cross of Christ was to save you, like joy should be the natural response. Yeah, absolutely. Like, there's no way we should come into communion flippantly. It's like the pot that's boiling over. How do you contain it? Bingo, yeah. bingo. And I'm not talking emotionalism, but like yeah. this sort of incredible truth yeah. should be something that we start celebrating. Yeah, amen. You know? So we, we shouldn't come into communion flippantly. We should have a sober mentality about how serious it is. But we shouldn't be able to leave communion, like, downhearted. Like, it yeah. should be a joyful celebration coming out of it of what Christ has done for us. And you said what he's done and that he's coming back. Like, yeah. what he's done and we can still trust his promise. Yeah, you proclaim the yeah. Lord's death until he comes. Mm-hmm. This reminder that Christ is coming back. And the sin that you've had to repent of and had to come to the cross again this week as you prepared your heart for communion mm-hmm. is the sin that he's going to once and finally defeat and remove that mm-hmm. sinful nature from you when he comes back in glory. And that's a huge reality to celebrate. It is. And I, my prayer is that those that were there Sunday or if you missed the message, you can always go back and find uh, Pastor Brad's sermon on our website or uh, anywhere you stream your podcast. But that celebration and that when you said corporate, I thought, wow. If I looked around the room and those, and again, like you said, there's, if if what I've said today and there's some of you that need to examine, there is no judgment. You just let that pass on by. You you made it a space where people could spiritually examine their hearts and and really contemplate. And and those that might be new believers sitting out there, you know, what is this communion business? What what is it that we do? And just bringing the the seriousness back, but I love that you said the joy. Well, and that is so fundamental to what we are as Christians. Hmm. Like pride is antithetical to being a Christian. (laughs) You know, like you can't accept the cross as Christ's free gift for you because you couldn't earn your own salvation Mm -hmm. with an arrogant mindset of I've accomplished so much for God. And yet at the same time, you can't just like wallow in self-pity. I'm a worm. There's nothing here. You know what I mean? Like, no, you've been given Christ's righteousness. And so like as believers, that's fundamental to who we are. We must recognize our own sin, but we must celebrate the fact that Christ has paid the penalty for that sin. 
We're not Christians because we think we're better than anybody. And we're also not Christians if we're not repenting consistently. Like, I mean, that, that's a part of being, the, being a Christian. Being aware. And that's not undermining salvation by faith alone. Correct. It's just to say that that's how the faith works itself out in that recognition in our own hearts. Sunday's coming. Where are we headed? Well, you know, 1 Corinthians 11 is done, so now we're heading into 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to be covering the first 11 verses. Okay. I actually won't be preaching, I've, okay. partially because I've got a midterm that I've got to, I've got to make sure that I prep for. Sure. Um, but also part of the reason is um, we've been doing a series on spiritual gifts as one of our adult classes right. here on Sunday morning, and my dad has been teaching that. Um, I'm actually asking him to preach on so the first ready. 11 chapters of 1 Corinthians 12. He's, he's been prepping for weeks already. Exactly. Well, <laughs> and if you know him, he's been prepping for a lot longer than that. I can remember as a kid going through spiritual <laughs> gift studies on 1 Corinthians That's 12 great. and him preaching on that before. So I'm looking forward to that. I hope yeah. it's an encouragement to the body as well. You may pick up on some mannerisms and speech things and stuff like that uh, when he gets up there to preach as well. Um, but great. otherwise, I mean, the classic text to go to, I would encourage people to read 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11. Okay. Um, but also the other places in Scripture that speak to spiritual gifts are Ephesians 4, 7 through 16, um, Romans 12, 3 through 8, and then we'll also be reading 1 Peter chapter 4, 7 through 11. So I'd okay. encourage people to check out any of those texts um, in preparation for Sunday's message. And then also just as, as we're preparing our hearts for what spiritual gifts are all about, there's a necessary diversity and unity in spiritual gifts. He's going to say, you're all different, so you're going to see things differently but you're called to be part of one body. Huh. So you need okay. to come together. And that's what 1 Corinthians 12 is all about. So I would encourage us to consider, as we're thinking through, like, what might be my spiritual gift? What is God calling me to? That calls for both a humility, recognizing that I don't have, like, the super spiritual gift that I wish, you know, everybody else should have and everybody needs to operate the way I do and that sort of idea. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, spiritual gifts imply activity. If God's given you a spiritual gift, you know, in 1 Corinthians 12, it's going to say, to each one has been given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Hmm. So if God has given you a spiritual gift, how is he calling you to employ it? And that doesn't necessarily mean in a formal ministry in the church. But if he's given you a gift, he intends for you to use it for the good of the church and for his glory. Well, great. I'm excited. And so this Sunday we'll hear from Chuck. Yep. And then we'll sit down next week and find out what we learned from. Sounds good. Spiritual I get, gifts. I get, a, I get to be on the opposite side. I get to critique a sermon. No, yeah. I probably shouldn't do it that way. <laughs> I think that'll be a good time. All right. Thanks for listening to Midweek in the Word Sunday Recap. This is a production of Faith Bible Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. We'll be back next week with a new recap and a forward look to our Sunday sermon. Make sure to like and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. We leave you with this encouragement out of 1 Corinthians 1.9. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We'll see you next week as we sit down with Pastor Brad for another episode of Midweek in the Word Sunday Recaps.